Hello, I'm Pauline Jennings. Welcome to Musician Talk. My guest today is Northfield High School student Emmett Norrie. Though he just turned 16, Emmett has already been gigging professionally, usually accompanying his talented vocal chops and acoustic guitar. He also plays piano and harmonica. Emmett plans to have a life of music, playing in bands and as a solo act, and he's got the skills and passion to do just that. Emmett draws much of his musical inspiration from classic rock and roll and folk rock songs from artists like Tom Petty, Jackson Brown, and Bruce Springsteen. Let's find out more. It's time to talk with Emmett Norrie. Welcome, Emmett, to Musician Talk. Thanks so much for having me, Pauline. I'm happy to have you on, and it's great timing because you have a concert coming up that you're going to open for the Simon and Garfunkel Tribute at the Guild for their 411 Summer Concert Series, June 17th, and that starts at 7.30. So, folks, get your tickets because it's coming up here uh, this Saturday, actually. I'm really, really excited to have you open for us. I'm in the Simon and Garfunkel Tribute Show, so I'm, I'm very excited to hear you do a whole half hour of, of music after hearing you play here at our house the other day. You've got a great voice and uh, really a lot of musical sensibilities. So, Emmett, you're 50. No, you're 16 now. You just had a birthday, didn't you? Correct. I had a birthday on June 5th. Awesome. Happy birthday to you. So when we go back in the Wayback Machine, it doesn't have to go as far back as most of my musicians on this show. But tell me, when did you start taking lessons? When did you start to play? When did you start getting interested in music? Well, I've grown up in a family that's been just very centered in music. Um, My dad has a deep love of music. Um, My grandma was in the St. Olaf Choir. My mom played concert piano all through all through college in St. Olaf. So it's always kind of been around. I sang in choirs and church choirs and and the Northfield Youth Choir, which has been a great resource for me um, since I was five, six, maybe. Wow. And then I started playing ukulele after after I came home from a trip to Hawaii with my family. Really what it stemmed from was jealousy from my brother because he played the uke when we were there and he got all the attention. And I, so I wanted some of that. So I, I started playing ukulele um, and I did that for maybe a year or so. And then when I turned 12, my grandparents on my mom's side who live out on a farm found a four string tenor guitar from the sixties in their cellar. Um, really just old, beat-up, four-string guitar. I, I didn't even know there was such thing as a four-string tenor guitar. Yeah, think Peter, Paul, and Mary folk music wow. in the 60s. I'm going to have to look that yeah. up. All right, sorry to interrupt. Yep. Go ahead. Uh, so I played on that, and then for my 13th birthday, I got my first acoustic guitar, first real six-string, and then around Christmas time, got my first electric and it's been off to the races since that. I've played in jazz bands, and I've uh, played backgrounds for choirs uh, at the high school, and then also a couple of other choirs. And I've sung in honor choirs. I just got admitted to the Minnesota All-State Choir. I've awesome. Sung in Congrats. The, yeah, thank you so much. It's been a – I've kind of looked up to the people who who have been in that choir for a while. 
a lot of my sort of heroes around me have been in that choir. So, nice. so that's kind of a rough breakdown. So did you take lessons on any of these instruments? In the past couple months, I've had maybe three professional vocal lessons. I have never truly had professional vocal lessons, although it is something that I want to get into to keep progressing in that. Um, I was self-taught on guitar, sitting in my basement during COVID, learning songs for about the first six months to a year. And then once things started cooling down for COVID, I started getting into real lessons um, with a great, great guy here in town named Pat, uh, Pat Shelby. Oh, you take lessons from Pat. Awesome. He's a great guy. Yes, he is. I, I just adore Pat. He's great. So what do you guys concentrate on your lessons mostly? When I first came to him, it was pretty basic stuff. He's actually quite a great finger picker, um, finger style player, which is something that I continue to need work on. So we do a lot of that, a lot of theory stuff too. Um, We did a lot of work on soloing and phrasing, working my way around the fretboard, sort of knowing what I'm doing in the context of creating musical ideas for solos. I guess there's people that are self-taught that really don't know much theory that can play great solos, but it's such a great place to begin for soloing because then you know your scales and you know the, how all the notes relate to each other, how the, all the keys relate to each other so that you can pick the correct notes to play when you solo. Right. And that's been super, super useful in my uh, jazz band settings. I know modes and scales and, and how that works as it relates to playing over chord progressions. Yeah, and circle of fifths. Have you guys got into that? (laughs) I still can't conceptualize it. I know, I know it's there. I know what it looks like. I can't conceptualize it for some reason. So, um, when did when did you start playing piano? That was the first instrument that I that I played, and I took lessons for five six years begrudgingly um, (laughs) at the request of my mother. Don't get me wrong; I loved my piano teachers. And it was good to get me to start reading sheet music, which then helped me to be able to sight read quite well in choirs, which has been nice. Yeah. But just hours of sitting at the piano, learning to play out of these books, songs that I've never heard and quite frankly didn't care to learn. It just was monotonous. I just am wondering, are you happy now that you took those lessons and you learned those songs? <laughs> <laughs> I I am happy. Yeah. Um, I'm happy that I did it because, like I said, it, it helped me to learn my my notes, uh, my lines and spaces, whatever you want to call it, um, and how notes relate to each other, intervals, and it is good. It's a great visualization of notes, right? Because it's all laid out there. It's linear. But as far as enjoyment goes, that didn't really come until after I stopped playing and took up guitar, and then came back to it on my own wanting to learn songs now that I had knowledge from playing guitar for about a year or so. And you can, because you have all this, all the, all this background of, of lessons and practicing. So you could come back to that with all your chord knowledge and, and rhythm and all the kind of stuff that you learned from playing guitar. And now you can accompany yourself singing. And how awesome is that? It's been great. 
been great. Another tool in the toolbox. That's right. So Emmett, when he, um, when we talked about doing this show, as you all know out there, that the setup of the show is we listened to and discussed two songs and he didn't really have a decent recording of himself playing or singing. And so Emmett came over to our house and we did a down and dirty uh, recording of him singing with guitar and singing with piano. And so um, this first song that you're going to hear is one on the one he did on guitar and he had a good enough take the first take which is just amazing absolutely wonderful uh so uh, why don't you introduce us to this song why you picked it and your challenges and joys with playing it yeah so the song cuts like a knife i'm a super big fan of brian adams voice just because it's it's raw and it's natural but it's gruff and i like that it's not super rounded off like a choral technique would be right and his his style is so physical and I just, I admire that quite a bit. I, I think that uh, you can learn so much from uh, about singing pop from Brian Adams. And I can tell that you have learned a lot by listening to you sing from him and, and listening to him. This song came pretty naturally for me. I, I just sort of sat, sat down recording and listened to it and picked up a guitar and figured out kind of the rough chord progression and it just it fit into place within 30 minutes wow um i took it from one of the from one of the live versions that he did he typically doesn't do a whole bunch of flares and flourishes um he typically just goes straight up strumming on chords um regular chord shapes but i've i found that my style is more finessed i i tend to want to incorporate a little bit more flourishes and licks and fills in my playing um, rather than just straight up strumming and going at it. So I incorporated a little bit of that too. Nice. Nice. So what's your favorite, what's your favorite thing about singing this song? I love the, the message of the verses. Um, you can dig into it as far as vocal tone goes and quality. But then probably my favorite part about it is when you get to the choruses, and especially the later choruses, chorus two and three, you can kind of ad lib it a little bit and have fun with it and play with it. It doesn't have to be super uptight and exactly what the recording is, um, which is a very sort of Brian Adams style, which I, I really like that. You know, uh, and the more you can do that, the better singer you'll be. The more you can hear something and then go off on your own. And, and like you said, add flourishes like you do with the guitar, but also to pick different notes than the original recording and uh, where that fits in your voice. And, and then when you start performing them live, sometimes you'll do it differently even then, um, depending on your emotion and the feeling of the group. And speaking of emotion, Brian Adams is a very emotion-filled singer, right? You just yes. feel it when he sings it. And I feel the same way about you. I think that uh, you are very, very emotion-filled and that in- informs your tone which is wonderful. It's also got that raw edge to it, uh, like Brian Adams does. And you, and you have the ability, because you have the talent, to pick and choose where you want to put that gruffness and that rawness. And that's a, that's a great gift as well. So why don't we just go ahead and take a listen to your, your recording, that one-take wonder here, Emmett Nori, um, of uh, Cuts Like a Knife by Brian Adams. And here it is.
Driving on this evening Could have sworn we had it all worked out You had this boy believing Way beyond the shadow of a doubt Yeah I heard it on the street And you might have found somebody new I took it all for granted But how was I to know That you'd be letting go Now it cuts like a knife And it feels so right And it cuts like a knife And it feels so right There's times I've been mistaken Times I thought I'd been misunderstood Oh yeah So wait a minute darling Can we see we did the best we could All the best we could Well this wouldn't be the first time That things have gone astray Well now you've thrown it all away And it cuts like a knife and it feels so right It cuts like a knife And it feels so right Took it all for granted, but how was I to know that you'd be letting go? Now it cuts like a knife, and it feels so right. Well, it cuts like a knife, and it feels so right. Well, it cuts like a knife. Cuts like a knife And it feels so right And it cuts like a knife This is Pauline Jennings, and you're listening to Musician Talk. You just heard my guest today, Emmett Norrie, perform the Brian Adams song called Cuts Like a Knife. Emmett is opening for Feeling Groovy, a Simon and Garfunkel tribute with a twist. Uh, it's the Guild's 411 concert on June 17th. So, yeah, really, really raw, but yet really great tone. Great combination there, Emmett. Congratulations. Thank you. When you're singing, are you singing the notes or are you singing the words? I'm singing the words. Yeah. The notes are, the notes, there's a, it's a rough guideline. Yeah. It's there to guide me, but if I feel something different, I'll, I'll do that. I'm singing the words and how it makes me feel. Awesome. And you can totally tell that from, from your performance there. So um, when you look at the future, what, what are some of your big dreams? Where, where, where would you love to perform? The dream gig has always been Madison Square Garden. It's it's the spot. Oh yeah. Um, 
And do you see yourself yeah. as uh, playing with a band or playing a kind of a solo thing? Yeah, it would definitely be be a rock band for sure. Much of my influences are rock and folk and country. So I definitely want to have right another guitar player, bass, drums, keys, right? Hammond, big fan of B3, of the B3 sound. That's just, I love that. It adds so much, doesn't it, to every song. It doesn't matter what it's on. It's just, oh, yeah. And it adds emotion, too, I think, to a song. The yeah, it's almost like my guitar where it's got that almost vocal quality to it. Yes, yes, exactly. Any plans to create a band soon, or are you already in one? I have a band made up of 10th graders here at the high school. Right now, the name we're going under is Last Minute. And then I'm the guitar player for another band that's fronted by a senior named Isaac Lear. That's a, just a band of me and then Isaac Lear, Sam Nelson, bass player, and then drummer who we don't know who our drummer will be yet, but that band, we're looking to record an album this summer. Okay, that was my, that's one of my questions, songwriting. Are you interested in songwriting? Have you written any songs? Yeah, I'm super interested in songwriting. The thing I've come across with that, though, is the, the music portion of that seems to come pretty naturally for me. I come up with chord progressions and licks and fills and sort of lead lines, signature lines. I, I'm just fiddling around. I come up with that pretty easily it's the lyrics that that get me you know growing up listening to people like jackson brown and now jason isbel just phenomenal songwriting phenomenal um and their lyrics they're not cheesy they're not corny but they cut straight to the point and straight to the heart and it's it's just crafted so well that i end up writing something down on my legal pad writing a chorus or a verse, and I'm like, that's, that's not even close. It's, it's hard. I'm working on it, and I've got a couple of songs under my belt, but it's, it's hard not to compare when you've grown up listening to all that. You know, um, I'm not a songwriter either, and I'm not a writer, but I have heard uh, the best advice I've heard for any kind of a writer is get rid of the judge in your head. Just write. Just write and write and write. And you're going to be just as good someday. And, you know, you just try and try and try until you, all of a sudden you're there. And so you just got to write. And I know I've talked to a lot of singer-songwriters on here. And what's very helpful, it sounds like to them, is joining a songwriting group. And there's plenty of them out there. And you get, you get feedback and also you're forced to write. You know, you, maybe you get a prompt a week or a prompt a month to just a nugget of something to start with. And I just right. highly suggest doing that if you want to be a songwriter. Okay, so Madison Square Garden, it's going to be a band. You're going to be in a band. Maybe it's going to be late, last minute. Who knows? I, I play at Madison Square Garden someday. Um, what are some of your plans to get there? What What are you thinking? I mean, do you want to tour? Do you want to, you know, record an album and tour with the album? What would you like to do as far as like your plans to get where you want to go? Touring is definitely on the list. Um, and recording is for sure on the list. But as far as um, being able to pay the bills, right? Cover band might be, might be the next step while recording. Nice. Um, yeah. um, and I've looked at going to places like, Belmont and Berkeley and places like that, music schools. So that's also another option that I've looked at. But touring and recording, definitely up there. 
what's nice about your talents is that you play guitar well enough to accompany yourself and you play piano well enough to accompany yourself. So um, you can go out and do solo gigs and you can actually make some money doing that. It's hard to get paid enough to make money if you're in a, a band with five people in it and you're trying to get an audience. Um, but doing solo gigs, you know, you could probably support, get, make quite a bit of money doing that kind of thing and accompanying others too is is a way while you're writing those those mega hits right so when you think of college is it pretty much uh go to go to college for music if you go or are, are there other ideas that you have i really can't see myself doing much else i mean yeah whether it's going into music performance music production right even music education um i just i don't know if i can i don't know if i can do anything else for the rest of my life Nice. That's great. That's really great to hear that you're going to follow your passions. Uh, I have a couple quotes here I want to discuss, and I picked Brian Adams because I know you're a big fan. And um, both of these are kind of related, so I thought I'd go ahead and grab both of them. Here's the first one. Thoughts of doubt and fear are pathways to failure. When you conquer negative attitudes of doubt and fear, you conquer failure. And difficulties are opportunities to better things. They are stepping stones to greater experience. When one door closes, another always opens. As a natural law, it has to, to balance. What are your first thoughts with those quotes? So for the first one, um, regarding the, the negative thoughts, I think, that's, I think that's true to a degree, right? You're always going to have those, those little imperfections that you're like, oh, I wish I could have fixed that or done that differently. But to, to his point, right, being able to be confident in what you know you can do is a massive part, I believe, in sort of getting out there and playing music and playing in front of me, in front of an audience, you know, and, and being able to think, you know, you know, I can make an album, I can do this and release it, and I'm good enough to do that. So I think that's there's an aspect of that to it. Um, I was no, just going to say that um, flip side of doubt and fear of confidence you play better. It's a loop, you know, you, you play better, you have more confidence, you have more confidence, you play better. It, it just feeds on itself. However, right. you're going to have fears and doubts. You're going to, and, and until you conquer them and every time they come along, you have to conquer another one and conquer another one and conquer another one until, until you, well, no, not, there's no until you, because I think that's a lifelong thing. I think you are always going to have those things. Yes. Okay. So go on the next one. The doors opening, I, yes, I truly believe that that is, that is true, right? When, when one thing doesn't work out, another thing will open up sooner or later. Um, it may take a while, but one door closes, another one will open. Have you ever had that happen to you? Yeah, actually a lot, especially in my early days of, of gigging, right? I'd, I'd, let's say I'd bomb, bomb the gig, but I had two good songs, and maybe somebody in the bar or the restaurant that I was playing heard those two good songs. That gig didn't go so well, but they heard me play. And then they say, hey, I want, to come, I want you to come play at my place, right, wherever it is. Or I want you to come play at my event, right? So I think it's super true that when one door opens, another, or when one door closes, another one will open. Sometimes it's, a be, it's being... Um having your eyes open enough to see the other door that's opening. And sometimes you, you get so down on yourself, you're blinded by that, that failure and the doubt and fear that we just talked about so that you can't even see that other door opening. Yeah. It's all about the confidence. 
Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, and also I love the line difficulties are opportunities to better things. And you're going to have licks that you can't, that you can't master until you do on the piano or the guitar. And the only way to ac- accomplish those things is by practicing and practicing is a series of failures. Right. In fact, when you came to, um, and this is leading into the next song, The Pretender by J- Jackson Brown that you covered on piano here when we did the recording, uh, there was a little lick in that song that you just shook your head and said, oh, I can't ever play this or whatever you said. And then you were going to skip it. And then Steve said, being the teacher he is, no, 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 let's get that. And tell us about that. <laughs> what did you do? We took that little section and broke it down and took it really slow at first. And we built it back up in tempo until um, it was way past the tempo so that we, so that I knew I can do it at the tempo that, that I need it for in the song. Cause I just did it faster. And then we put it back into the song. Um, chunked it. And it worked. worked like a chunk. Right. Yeah. It, it, it's yep. called chunking. Steve being the accomplished musician, he is still does that. And there's things that he can't play like uh, the intro to 50 ways to leave your lover. He had to work on that and he had to slow it way down uh, until he could play it faster and faster and faster. And then you play it, like you said, past the speed you need to play it so that when you bring it back to the speed that you want it at, it's comfortable. You're comfortable playing it there. Uh, Okay. So the pretender, tell us why you picked this song to record here and have on the show today. I love, love, love Jackson Brown. I'm actually going to see him in uh, Wisconsin this summer cool. on his tour. Um, but this one in particular, I love his phrasing, right? Lots of, lots of artists will take like a poem, right? Five, six words, put them in a phrase. He has these long stretching phrases that are sentence or too long. It flows in a way that I, I found that other artists struggle with. And then the way in which he plays plays piano, he actually was part of the reason why I picked piano up again after guitar, nice. after learning guitar. Um, just because I thought it was great that he was able to do both. And he has such a interesting technique with his left hand where it's almost like a rolling, a constant rolling bass in his left hand um, that I've picked up on. And what, what is The Pretender about? To me, it's about sort of chasing your, chasing your dreams and your aspirations and whether or not you give up on them. Mm. Out into the cool of the evening strolls the pretender who knows that all his hopes and dreams begin and end there, right? It's do you give up on them or not? So that's what it's about to me. We heard of one challenge was that one lick that you, that you worked at by chunking. Uh, what were some other challenges when working on this song? And what, what is one of your joys in playing and performing this song? Definitely finding the right placement um, during the bigger vocal portions, right? Finding the right vocal placement to get those higher notes, to be able to belt them and not have to use falsetto, to, right? Because falsetto would then back off the energy, right? Finding the vocal placement to be able to bring that forward was hard in the beginning. Um, but it's, it's really nice now because when it sits right, it just, it feels good. All right. So it's time to take a listen to Emmett singing and playing piano on The Pretender. And here it is. 
rent myself a house in the shade of the freeway. Gonna pack my lunch in the morning and go to work each day. And when the evening rolls around, well I'll go on home and lay my body down. And when the morning light comes streaming in, we'll get up and do it again. Amen. Came with the changes that we waited for love to bring. Were they only the fitful dreams of some greater awakening? I've been aware of the time going by. They say in the end it's the wink of an eye. And when the morning light comes streaming in, we'll get up and do it again. Caught between the longing for love and the struggle for the legal tender, and where the sirens sing and the church bells ring and the truckman pounds his fender, and where the veterans dream of the fight, fast asleep at the traffic light, and the children solemnly wait for the ice cream vendor. Out into the cool of the evening strolls the pretender. We started out so young and strong, but only to surrender. Ah, the laughter of the lovers as they run through the night. Leaving nothing for the others but to choose off and fight, and tear at the world with all their might, while the ships bearing their dreams sail out of sight. I'm gonna find myself a girl who can show me what laughter means, and we'll fill in. Missing colors in each other's paint by number dreams, and then we'll put our dark glasses on, and we'll make love until our strength is gone. And when the morning light comes streaming in, we'll get up and do it again. We'll get it up again. I'm gonna be a happy idiot and struggle for the lead. Tender, and where the ads they came and lay their claim to the heart and the soul of the spender, and believe in what every man buys in those things that money can buy. When true love could have been a contender, are you there? Say a prayer for the pretender. Who knows that all his hopes and dreams begin and end there?
Musician Talk, and I'm your host, Pauline Jennings. My guest today is Emmett Norrie, and you just heard him play The Pretender and sing a tune by Jackson Brown. You know, you have such a mature voice, and I don't mean mature as in an older voice. I mean mature as in your choices that you make and how you place things in your voice is like somebody that's way more experienced than you are. So nicely done. Mm -hmm. Um, and again, we'd have to re-record stuff because you weren't singing in tune. And that's really hard to do uh, for a full song. You have that raspiness that's sitting in this song because it's a little sweeter song uh, that's sitting in the background of your voice always, but yet your voice is really very crystal clear. Really well done in, in your performance and recording this. Nicely done. Thank you. You are welcome. All right, best gig, worst gig. You haven't had that many. Where have been? Where have some of your gigs been that you have played out? Mostly just around town. Um, I've played Reunion quite a few times, uh, the Consented Cow, the Eagles Club. There's been a couple other places in Rochester, uh, and then I do quite a few at the at the Riverwalk Market Fair uh, downtown on Saturday mornings. And have these big gigs? Uh, come about because people are pursuing you and calling you and asking you to play like I did for the opening for the 411 concert on June 17th? Um, or are you seeking out these gigs? Earlier in my sort of gigging, gigging career, I was having to seek out every single gig, but now it's shifting a little more in the other direction, which is quite nice actually yeah. to just get emails that say, Hey, can you come play? Um, right. So that's, that's really nice. But as far as um, best gig, worst gig, um, I'd say my best gig, or at least my favorite one, um, was this year during uh, Winter Walk. I had just finished up playing at the um, the Arts Guild upstairs in the in the sort of rehearsal dance studio. room, yeah, rehearsal studio, right? And I'd been playing some Christmas tunes. And let's just say it was not, it was not going the best. Um, and so I was kind of down on myself, but I knew that a friend of mine uh, who plays, plays the drums was right next door at the cow and he was there playing a gig and he told me to come down. And so I brought my electric guitar down and I walked right in and the leader of the band topped uh, Todd Thompson, Todd Thompson band. He said, Emmett, do you have your guitar with you? I'm like, yeah. He said, you want to come and sit in with us? So for sure. And it was great. It was just the best. And he let me, he let me lead a couple of songs and I did Johnny Be Good and just rocked the place. Nice. It was great. It was great. There's no, there's no feeling like that when you're, you're just got all, you're firing, firing on all cylinders, particularly doing that after you come off something that you weren't feeling great about. It's so rewarding, isn't it? It is. It really is. So, worst gig? Uh, this was pretty bad. 
um, <laughs> oh, man. I was I was playing a private private gig and it was a it was a birthday party and I I was playing and it, it it was later in the night and so people had had a couple of drinks and I could tell I could tell the the feeling was not the same as when I had got there. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I could tell people really just wanted like dance party music, right? With giant subwoofers. And so that was, it was just like, I was, I was still going, but I could tell people were not there for it. So it was, it was just, it was not super rewarding. Um, right. Kind of went downhill throughout the night. But you have your good gigs and you have your bad gigs. Exactly. And I think every musician has had a gig like that, where you have an audience that wish you were playing something that you, you're not playing and that, that you weren't hired to play. And you're going to have more of those, but you're going to have way, way, way more great gigs, including someday at Madison Square Garden, no doubt. Um, so to wrap up here, I know, and I'll say it again, uh, June 17th, please get your tickets for the uh, 411 summer concert series that Emmett, the first one Emmett is warming up for. He'll have a half hour set before, uh, the main show, which is Simon and Garfunkel feeling groovy. It's a tribute with a twist with two female leads. That's me and Barb Piper and Craig Wozner's in the band and my husband, Steve Jennings and Mike Legvold. And we're going to play a bunch of, of your favorite Simon and Garfunkel tunes and some Paul Simon tunes. And, um, I'm excited, so excited for the gig for us and for Emmett to hear him play a, a half hour of music. And so it's just going to be a great, great, great night of music. And what else do you have on your calendar here coming up? Lots of gigs down at the Riverwalk. Uh, I've got a gig at the at Reunion come up here in about a month or so. And then into the fall next year, I'll be opening for the Rowe Family Singers at Imminent. Watch out for me this summer and yeah. Where can people watch out for you? I mean, are you on, do you, do you post your gigs on Facebook? Do you have any kind of website or where can they go to find out where you're playing? I'm on Instagram. Should just be under Emmett Nori. Okay. Um, and it's a public Instagram. So you can just follow it and see where I'm headed. All right. So go to Instagram, follow Emmett Nori, and that's E two M's, E two T's, Nori, N-O-R-R-I-E, and follow him on Instagram so you know when and where he's playing so you can support this young musician. I'm so, so, so excited to talk to you today. Thank you for joining me for this interview and for sharing your music with us. Thank you so much, Pauline. Take care. You too. A big thanks to Emmett for sharing with us the start of his musical journey, his hopes and dreams, and a couple of tunes with us today. Thanks always to Wendy Nordquist, radio voice extraordinaire, and to you, dear listener, for tuning in to Musician Talk on The One, K-Y-M-N. Have a fabulous day.